This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Why don't you open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, please. Ephesians chapter 3. It says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes understanding or knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I want to speak to you this morning on something that I've titled. What did I title it? I've got to make sure I get it right. Experiencing by accident what I try to get intentionally. Experiencing by accident what I try to get intentionally. There is a place in every believer's life that you're going to have to walk alone. There is a place in your relationship with God that you and him are going to define that space. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. It doesn't matter whether your parents are involved in your life. It doesn't matter whether you have kids, siblings, close friends, or you're connected to the church. There is a place in your life that is reserved for you and God, and you're going to walk that space alone. You're going to give definition to what that looks like, and you're going to live from that place. And so that space becomes particularly important for us to gain an understanding as to what does that look like. Everybody wants to have a healthy relationship with God, but we don't always walk into that space. Everybody wants to realize the blessings and the promises of God, but we don't always realize it in the context of the relationship that we have with him. I want to talk about that this morning. We have an interesting president President Trump. President Trump. The thing about President Trump is this. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. You could be on this side or you could be on that side, but you're going to be on a side. Because the, narrow, the line between the two is so narrow, nobody can sit on it. You've got to fall somewhere. It's the kind of president that he is. It demands something of you. And the thing about his presidency that's quite interesting is that we're in an environment where everybody has opinions about who he is and what he's about and the policies that he's making and about his um, people that he appoints. Everybody's got an opinion. And we spend a lot of time listening to people's opinions. The thing that's interesting is that the more time you spend listening to something, the inputs and the things that you allow into your life are going to define the foundation of your life. What you let into your life is going to define the foundation of your life. And the foundation of your life is going to create the lens through which you perceive a situation. He puts a new policy in place, and depending on who you ask, you're going to get a view. Somebody is going to say to you, it's terrible, it's another awful example of how dreadful he is, and he's a racist, and he's a hate monger, and he's all the rest of it, and it's just another classic example. And you're going to speak to somebody else, and they're going to say, what a fabulous policy. That was the best thing he could have done. It was wonderful. You know what it's going to do? It's going to do this, and it's going to put that in place, and it's going to create it. It's the same policy. 
The policy didn't change. The policy remained constant. But the way two people saw it was completely different. The lens that we used to view a policy with shifted the way that we saw it. And as a result of it, our interpretation of that will lead us to an opinion about it and how we move forward with that. It's the same thing with the things of God. The challenge with it is, all of us enter our relationship with God and we've got baggage. We've got stuff that constitutes the foundation of our life. And the problem with it is, it begins to cloud the lens that we use to view God and who he is. It's the lens that we use as a, to give us a perspective on what he wants for me. What his intention is for my life. And how he views me. We see all of those things through the lens of our life. The lens of our life. If truth doesn't define the context of your, li- your life, you will always have a slanted pretext, subtext. If, you, if, your, if truth doesn't define the context of your life, you will always have a distorted subtext. Anything that you're looking that defines who you are, when you look through your lens, you will always see that. So it becomes really important for us to begin to identify what is the foundation that I'm building my life on. Because that foundation is going to define what the lens looks like. My kids live in two different arenas. Every morning, they go off to school. When they go off to school, school is defined by... Somebody called the principal. Their principal is Mr. Berg. Mr. Berg is their principal. Mr. Berg gets to give definition to that space called school. Mr. Berg defines what it's going to look like, what his expectations are, how people should behave, what they should take and what their learning should be, how they should step forward in their education. It's all defined by Mr. Berg. And if you go into Mr. Berg's space, what ends up happening is you realize what his expectations are of you. And the expectation is that you become a conformist to the way that he wants things to be. This is the behavior that he expects. This is what he wants you to do when you go into classes. This is how he wants you to all line up so that you move in different, move through the hallways or whatever you're doing. He gives definition to it. But my kids don't just live in Mr. Berg's environment. At the end of the day, they get to come home. And when they come home, they come home to a space which is defined by daddy. Daddy is not Mr. Berg. And things that they will do with daddy, they would never do with Mr. Berg. Why? Because daddy loves them. You see, the thing is, as long as they with Mr. Berg, Mr. Berg has an expectation of them. And because of that, the way that they resist is the way that they're able to conform to the rules and the regulations. Well, how they resist is their ability to be able to deliver and their performance. But when they come home, daddy assesses them not on any of those things. It's assessed and appraised purely on the fact that I love you. I love you. And because I love you, the intention for my life is for you to step into everything that you should have. The thing about it is, Mr. Berg is concerned with production and conformity. I'm concerned with your identity. I'm concerned with your identity. 
As your dad, I'm looking at it and I'm sitting saying, I want you to be everything that you should be. And an aspect of that is your education. But there are aspects to you that I still want to affirm. I want for you to be a person who has a strong value set. I want you to realize what it is to have a good work ethic. I want you to know what it is to be a person who's entrepreneurial and innovative. I want you to be a person who's, who's founded and established on courage to be able to go and do things and take risks that other people won't do. Why? Because I'm building you up into everything that you should be. Because I love you so much, everything that I put into you is designed to release you into the, into the fullness of who you're supposed to be. Why is it important? It becomes important because so many Christians are stuck in where God used to be and not where God is. You see, in the Old Testament, people used to, used to reverence and worship God Almighty. The thing is, Jesus died so that he could become Father God. The problem with it is too many Christians are stuck in God Almighty and God is up there and God is reverential and God is apart from who I am, but they have a view of God that God is austere, God is inaccessible, God is the one who punishes me when I step out of things. I don't get what I really want because I don't deserve it because I have a foundation in my life that's established outside of what his design is. And it affects the lens that I view him through. It affects the lens that I view him through. So our foundation becomes really important to who we are and what we're all about. If we shift the foundation of our life, what will end up happening is we'll change the perspective. And when we see things more clearly, we'll be able to walk into truth. If you turn to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Love one another because love is of God. Love is of God. What it's really saying is this. God is the source of love. Love originates in God. What it's saying is, It's giving us an idea and an understanding as to the nature of who God is. God is love, period. A lot of Christians don't see God as love. They don't view him that way. They view God in different ways. They view God as austere, as the punisher, as the one who only gives me when I I deserve something. They see God as Mr. Berg. They don't see God as daddy. So we have a different perspective of who God is and our expectations. It says love originates in him. What it's saying is that defines who he is. It is his nature. Period. If you look at Galatians chapter 5, it becomes an important scripture for us because the problem with it is some people have grown up in environments that were not healthy. And so their perspective and their image of what father is, is something which is distorted. And so when you talk about a father who loves, their reference point is not healthy. So God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a little bit of definition as to what love is. And Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit, it's not the fruit of the spirit is love. The the better translation is the fruit of the spirit of love is joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What is it saying? It's telling you who God is. 
It's telling you what God's nature is. It's giving you a definition to sit and say, that constitutes God. Anytime you are experiencing any one of those things, what you're doing is you're experiencing God. If you're not experiencing that, you're not experiencing God. When you live from a place of stress and pressure and anxiety and anger and, and um, what, anything that isn't defined by, you're not living from God. You're living from a separate place. That gives definition to who God is. It starts to define what he's all about. It becomes important for us because we begin to realize something about God. If God is love, what does it mean for me? You see, we should wake up every morning with an understanding and an expectation that God is good. God is good. God is goodness. I wake up in the morning and it's like, you know what? The sun is shining. It was later today, but the sun came up. The sun is shining. It's like an opportunity to step into a whole new day. What is this day going to bring with it? What an opportunity is it for God to sit and say, you know what? I want to show you my goodness because I'm good. And you know what? You're not going to get it right today. You're going to make some mistakes. And when you make mistakes, he says, but you don't have to worry about that because you know what? My loving kindness is there. I'm kind in the way that I deal with you. I'm kind in the way that I look after you. I'm kind in the way that I want to walk you into things. He's peaceful. I should be rooted in that. And he is patient. Lord knows I need patience because I've made the same mistake a hundred times. And he says, it's okay. You know what? That's who I am. The fact of the matter is I'm more interested in what your heart looks like and what the intention of your heart is than whether you made a mistake. Why? Because he has a father heart of love and patience. Every single morning we should wake up with the realization that I serve a good God. How is goodness going to express itself to me today? What is goodness going to look like in my life today? Not because you deserve it. It's because you're a child of the king. I'll tell you something even more shocking. You got the goodness of God before you even stepped into the kingdom. Before I knew you in the womb, I formed you. While you were yet a sinner, I, and the word is love. While I was yet a sinner, I loved you. Before you even knew God, he loved you. And the things that happened in your life and ways that he protected you that you didn't even recognize came from God. But it was because he loves you. And all the time his love is calling you to a place to sit and say, I'm creating opportunities for you and I to have an introduction. I'm creating opportunities because at some point you and I are going to get together. At some point you're going to recognize that space where you and I can come into agreement about things. I want you to know who I am. There were times where God has provided for you that you never even asked for things. I used this example in the first service and... It's important, and I don't know what the local term is, so it just is what it is. This is an, this is an overseas term. You don't know what it is, so I'll have to describe it because I was going to ask you. But If you just talk about a person who always lands with their bum in the butter, this is one for Roger. What it's talking about is somebody who no matter what happens to them, things work out favorably. It's not like they don't have crises. It's not like they don't have issues. It's not like there aren't things that confront them with regularity. The problem with it is it always seems to work out at the other end. Why? Because sometimes I'm more rooted in the fact that God loves me than individual things. 
I'm more rooted in the fact that because he loves me, he's going to do stuff for me. Because he loves me, he's going to protect me. Because he loves me, he's going to provide for me. Because he loves me, he's going to heal me. Everything stems from the fact that he loves me. He is good. He is good. He is good. We love one another, are of God. We love one another because it's of God. It speaks about knowing. Knowing there is the Greek term gnosko. And it talks about a knowledge that comes from encounter. A knowledge that comes from encounter, it doesn't come from books. A knowledge that comes from encounter, not from books. We've been talking about the last few weeks about the role of the Holy Spirit and why the Holy Spirit is so important. Because the Holy Spirit, part of the responsibility that the Holy Spirit has when he's on the inside of you is to establish the foundation of your life. The role of the Holy Spirit is to take the things of God and he is the only one who can change the foundation of your life. I don't care how much you know about peace and goodness and patience and any of that. You could know all that you want to know about it. You could have an exhaustive knowledge of all of those things. You can't get it into your life. Patience doesn't come and become a reality in your foundation because you know it. You, when you know it, you wish you had it, but you don't know how to get it. That's the problem. What it's saying to you is there are certain realities in God and the only way that you realize them and the only way that you walk into that truth is by encounter with God, not through knowledge. Unless we're dependent on the Holy Spirit to give us that, we don't get it. It carries on. If you, if you go back to um, Ephesians chapter 3, it says, verse 16, um, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What he's saying is this, God is going to do something. God is the strength that is going to do something in your life that you cannot do. God is the one who's going to do something in your life that you cannot do. I can't get patience to be a part of my foundation. I want it. I wish it was there, but it's not. I can't get goodness to be a part of me. I can try and do good things. The fact of the matter is I'm not fundamentally good unless he does something on the inside of me. He has to do it. And it is something that happens as a result of faith. We use our senses to access everything in the natural realm. It's because of our senses that we're able to hear things and listen to things and read things. And we access what's going on here, which gives us information to the natural realm. But your senses are of no value to anything spiritual because you can't access them. They're spiritual in nature. So God's given us something called faith. What faith is, is our ability to access the things of God. He establishes something on the inside of us through faith. Through faith. God is inviting us all into an encounter and he wants us to realize the fact that he is love. He's wanting to take the aspects of love, love, joy, peace, goodness, patience, gentleness, kindness. He's wanting to get those established in you. Do you know what he's saying? I want to give you an encounter. I want to give you an encounter. Christians have strange ideas when you talk about encounters because when you talk about encounters, people's ideas always default to the spectacular. 
people always revert back to it's like, you know, well, there were times where the Holy Spirit moved and people were touched and affected and laughter broke out. Or there was gold dust all over. Or there was oil on the hands of people. And those are good things. There are times where the Holy Spirit moves in that place and that is good. And I don't want to take away. It's not, it's not, my intention is not to detract from that. I think that that's a really good thing. But there is something that I think is more fundamental. And it's when you have an encounter with God where he takes his, his nature and he, his nature and he establishes it in who you are. When he takes goodness and he establishes it on the inside of you, he's done something which is an encounter. And the thing about it is you access that by faith. There may not be pyrotechnics and there may not be writing on the wall. But you know what? We begin to live from a different paradigm. We begin to access our faith and sit and say, you know what? He who began a good work in me has done that. And I began to live in the expectation and look for it to develop in my life. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is working on the inside of me. And he's touching me and he's changing me. And he's getting established on the inside of me. The things of God. Why? Because when he gets that established in my life, it changes the trajectory of my life. If you are a person who's living in anxiety, it's no use telling somebody you need peace. That doesn't help them. You need to have an encounter with God where he, the God establishes peace on the inside of you and you can live from that. It doesn't help to know it. You've got to have it established. We've got to have it established. God is calling us to places where he wants to do things in our life. He's wanting to have an encounter. Why does he want to have an encounter with us? Because when he has an encounter and he's able to take the things of him, what he's doing is he's making you new. You are being transformed. He's changing the foundation of your life. Why is that important? Because you don't really know who I am. You've been reading me through your anxiety and your stress and your everything else. But if I get rid of the anxiety and the stress and I introduce you to to peace and you start living from peace, you're going to have a different perspective on who I am. He's changing our foundation so that we can begin to truly see him for who he is. Carries on. And it says, being rooted and grounded in love, you may be able... Oh, sorry, no, let me, to, let me go. Through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Christ may dwell in your hearts. What is, we've been speaking about this over the last few weeks. What is part of the role of the, of the Holy Spirit? Is to take the things of God and to introduce you into encounter. To get them established on the inside of you. The original Greek of dwell talks about set up camp. That's what it says. Set up camp. Do you know what he's doing? He's starting to talk to us about kingdom language. What he's saying is, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit is wanting to take us and introduce us to a place where the king is enthroned on the inside of us. And every place that is on the inside of us, where he reigns and rules, where aspects of who he is comes in, becomes part of what the kingdom is all about. The intention of the Holy Spirit is to make the kingdom more expansive in who we are. How does he do that? Yes, maybe I own peace in your life, but what if I was to own goodness as well? What is he doing? I'm taking the things of the kingdom and I'm making them more expansive. I'm growing them. How does it happen? By faith. The kingdom is as if a man should take seed and sprinkle it and go to bed and wake up and it grows and he knows not how. 
what's happening. You take the things, you take the seed, you take the word of God. And what you do, you begin to meditate on it. What is meditation? Meditation gives us, it's spiritual digestion. It's spiritual digestion. You sit and you take it and you think about it. What are you doing? You're digesting it because you're not able to do it. You're creating opportunities for the Holy Spirit to take that truth on the inside of you and to, to begin to show you what your life is going to look like in the context of that. What is he doing? He's establishing that truth on the inside of you. I'm not meditating on it to see what I can do. I'm meditating on it in the expectation that the greater one on the inside of me is doing something incredible with it. He's establishing on the inside of me a firm foundation of who he is and what he's all about. It becomes important because if you carry on reading further down, it says being rooted and grounded in love, we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height. Being grounded in love. I'm getting into what love is with God because I've known it conceptually, but I'm beginning to explore that more and more. What does it really mean? How does love begin to define who I am? God is, God is so awesome. If you think about it, it's the way that God has loves us, period. We can't relate to that because we're so conditional. We are so conditional. I love you when you're good to me. I love you when you give me what I want. I'm not as loving when it's not that way. But God doesn't have those filters. God is love, period. And he just loves you. What he's saying is this. When we get ourselves established on a foundation that God loves me and that's who he is. What ends up happening is it moves us to a place where we're able to comprehend the things of him. Do you know what comprehend means? Comprehend means I'm able to take the things of God and I'm able to appropriate them into my life so that I walk into the benefit that they speak of. I'm able to take and appropriate the things of God so that I recognize and realize the benefit of it. You know what? This, is, this was like an eye-opener for me. This was a, such a huge thing. Because what is the biggest struggle that Christians have? I'll help you. I'll give you a clue. It doesn't work. It's the biggest problem that Christians have. The biggest struggle that we have all too often is we look at things and we sit and say, you know what the problem with it is? It doesn't work. I've heard about healing and I've been praying for myself and it hasn't, I haven't gone into it. I haven't realized the healing. I've been praying for God's deliverance for him to get me out of something and I haven't re- realized what that is. I'm praying for God to provide for me in this area. But you know what? We still keep waiting and the provision doesn't happen. What is he saying? He's saying when your life is grounded and rooted in the fact that he loves you, what will happen is you'll begin to take spiritual truths and understand what spiritual truths are and walk into the realization and the fulfillment of that truth if you don't have a foundation of love the problem with it is you never realize the fulfillment of it God doesn't heal you because he has healing well he does with it but it's not because he's about healing it's because he's good it's because he loves you 
There are times where God may step in and intervene in your life and do stuff for you that you weren't even praying about. Why? Because he loves you. We get, this is where we get so caught up in things. When we get grounded and rooted in love, we don't care about the mechanics because he loves me. I don't care if my kids don't eat perfectly with a knife and fork because you know what? I love them. It's okay if the peas and the carrots go everywhere because you'll get it right eventually. You just keep trying. It doesn't matter if you're sitting there and you want to follow the formula of faith and find my scripture and confess it and spend time meditating on it and it doesn't work. He's sitting saying, I'm not answering your prayer because you got it perfectly right. I'm answering your prayer because I love you. We get stuck in formula. We get stuck in what we need to do. We get stuck in how things should work. We get stuck in, in the rhythm of certain things. We get stuck in reading it so that we understand it. And we've totally lost sight of the fact that he does stuff in our life because he loves you. He loves you. When we get to the place where we recognize that he does stuff for us because he loves us, it'll change everything. We talk about righteousness, but we don't live it. God surely is going to answer my prayer now because I've spent an extra half an hour praying. <laughs> what are we saying? What we're saying is you owe it to me because I'm sacrificing on your behalf. And so you're surely going to do it. We don't have a concept of love. Love sits and says, you know what? I don't wait for my kids to sit there and to grovel and to carry on to. But I sit and say, get up. Come on. Let's go and do this. Come on. We can make it happen. It's because he loves you, period. There are things that we can walk into, God. There are avenues that we're going to stretch into. There are places that we're going to go for no other reason, but he loves you. What he's saying is when the foundation of your life is established in the fact that he loves me, it changes my perspective of who he is. I begin to see him clearly for who he is and what he's all about. And I'm able to take the things of him and I walk into those things and I celebrate them in the fact that they become a reality in my life. Not because of what he has, but because of who he is. Because of who he is. He is love. such an exciting venture to go down because we begin to realize that all the formulas, all the work all the hard reading, all the slogging all the bible study all us it's not to say that some of that stuff doesn't have place, the thing about it is none of it matters if you don't have love that's the problem we got all the other bits right but there's no love and what he says, if you don't have love, you never walk into the reality. I'm not doing it because I have to follow your formula. I'm not doing it because I owe you anything. I do it because I love you. And we cannot grasp that. It's so hard for us as people. We live from a foundation that isn't defined by him. And so we don't truly see him for who he is. And we don't walk into the realities of what that's about. Christianity is a relationship. It's about to what degree do you know and understand? To what degree are you connected with a greater one inside of us? Do you allow him to have influence and say in your life? 
The funny thing about it is being a dad is everything is always founded on love. It doesn't mean you get to do whatever you like. I have a responsibility as a parent. But I never act in a way that's designed to be hurtful to my kids. I may take certain things away, but it's to their benefit because they don't recognize it. There is a place in our relationship with God where we have to get to, where we are grounded and rooted in the fact that he loves me, period. Period. He is love. That's what his nature is. And love is always looking for an opportunity to express itself in who we are. He heals us because he's good. He provides for us because he's good. He blesses us because he likes us. He gives us peace because he's interested in your well-being. 